Father, we thank you that you answered our prayer this morning. You opened our eyes so that we could see you. Your greatness, your holiness, and all the perfections of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for letting us, creatures, see you as you are. Even though we only see you as dimly and partially, we see you, Lord, high and lifted up in the heavens with your Son seated right next to you. We thank you that you left your Holy Spirit, Jesus, with us so that we can be drawn to you. Continue to draw us, Lord. Continue to open our eyes as we look at your word unfold it before us hide this speaker's voice behind yours and the cross and your son and truly lift his name up on high for us so that we will see him displayed in a new and fresh way and that we might proclaim and thank you for that great great name of Jesus in whose name we pray and all God's people said amen you may be seated Is that Phil? You look tired, but man, you, you, that was a great trip. Phil went to Alaska. How long were you there? All right. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I've, I found a story this morning, Phil, that can relate to you. And I thought of you this morning and I, I knew I couldn't weave it into my, my message because I'd forget it. So I'm going to share it with you. It's, it's all about Master Sergeant Greg B- uh, Bellucci and, uh, if you want to read it, it's in Prayer Point, which is Samaritan's Purse. I get it every month, and it's a really cool story. Uh, Master Sergeant was in Iraq and uh, battled, fought with fellow Marines, lost 14 of them in his battalion, six of them under his command, riding down the street. He was in a uh, uh, truck, and an IED hit it, and... Uh, he was expelled out of the truck and all his men were killed in it. And when he came back, he was just distraught. He'd been in the Marines for 20-odd years. And he started drinking and was depressed and really thought about, what's the use? His wife, who had kids, said she was a, a private in the Marines. She said, you got you to get some help, Greg. And so he finally did. He went to a psychiatrist. But it still didn't help. Finally, he went to a chaplain, Marine chaplain. And this chaplain sent him to Alaska. Operation Heal Our Patriots. I don't know if you guys know about it at all. It's been going on for seven years, run by Samaritan's Purse. And Greg and his wife went there, and he found the Lord. And got baptized. And another victory for Jesus Christ. Now, it's going to feed into my message about maturity, because Greg's a year old in the Lord now, and he's got to mature, and we'll talk about that. But I just thought, let's, let's, I just want to say glory to God, you know? Thank you, Lord. You saved another person on this earth, and I, just a heartwarming story to me, and I'm sure to my brother, because he knows about war. He knows about serving. I don't. 
I just know about Jesus. But Jesus got into a guy's life, and now he and his wife are redeemed. So last week, Pastor Tim spoke on being a servant. If we have union with Christ, we're servants. My task this morning is to talk about the fact that when we have union in Christ, we can be mature. Now notice I say we can be. It doesn't happen presto magic. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Greg Bellucci has a long way to go. A year old in the Lord and he's got a long way to go. Just like all of us do. In September I'll be 47 years old in the Lord. But I've got a long way to go. And I'm still working at it. And that's what this message is all about. So let's begin with reading. And I know that... Uh, We sit and stand and sit and stand, but I'd really like us to stand as we read the Word of God, if that'd be okay. I was raised a Catholic, and I used to get up and down, up and down. It was no problem, so you know, you don't mind. We're going to read Colossians, and we're going to start with the first chapter, verse 27, read through to chapter 2, verse 5. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, what? Mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. In Christ. Oh God, take these words, infiltrate our lives so that we might be mature, we might be strong, we might be firm, that we might advance, Lord, in your kingdom and in our own lives. Use your Holy Spirit to infiltrate each one of our lives, including mine. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Was it, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means we need to be mature, or at least working towards that. Now, there are lots of ways you can slice this pie. Uh, I have six signs of spiritual maturity that come out of this text, but you could look at Galatians 5 and think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You could go to 2 Peter 1. There's a whole list there. We're going to be in Colossians. And we're going to look at six different signs of maturity. Maturity in Christ comes through two processes that are vital to our Christian experience. One, discipleship, and two, sanctification. Now, discipleship includes each other, right? A disciple is a learner. So we're always learning each other, right? Jethro Bodine, if you know about the... Beverly Hillbillies. I'm going to learn you something. And that's really what discipleship is. Pretty simple. 
We can do it very organically, very naturally, just as we talk to each other, spend time with each other. Or we can do it methodically. Some of you are in groups, some of you are in LTGs. We meet once a week or maybe even once a month sometimes in certain groups, uh, very methodically. But discipling is just one person with another or two or three and leading each other in our faith. Sanctification is somewhat more personal. I can't sanctify you and you can't sanctify me. Sanctification is is what Mike was talking about a couple weeks ago, being holy, being set apart. That's God's work in us, but it's also our work with him. Remember, he quoted Philippians 2. Work at your own salvation, for it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work after his good pleasure. So it's it's a synergy of God and us. And those two elements can lead to maturity. I have a quote that I found, and I don't know where I found it from, so I'm not citing it. Sorry, Lisa, MLA and all the rest, nothing, nothing. I got nothing. I I think it was positive stories, whatever that is. I got it online. Discipleship cannot be microwaved because people are fragile, and each of us has a unique story that makes the process difficult. I like that. Discipleship cannot be microwaved. That's our society. Put those Pop-Tarts in, take them out, and you got breakfast. Boo! I don't think I've ever had a Pop-Tart breakfast. I eat buckwheat groats every morning, every morning, with yogurt, raisins, cinnamon, walnuts, chia seeds, and flaxseed. All right, I'm trying to live a healthy life because, you know, August I had whoop, zip, zip, boop, 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 boop. Gave me a new lease on life. <laughs> Thank the Lord for that. You see, that everyone thinks, Glenn thinks all I eat is salad. <laughs> First 30 years of my life, I ate my grandmother's cookies. Little old Italian lady, she always had all these good Christmas time. Oh, man. Ah, that plugged up my, you know, that plugged up my big time in bed. So where was I? I got lost. Sorry. <laughs> Discipleship cannot be mi- microwaved. It's a slow cooker thing. It's a crock pot. It takes time. It takes years. I'm still working on it. And we better all be still working on it. Discipleship and maturity don't come overnight. So that's an encouragement, isn't it? I wanted to start out by encouraging you because I'm going to challenge you this morning. Six ways in which this process is difficult. Now, I'm going to illustrate, just hang with me for a second, how this discipleship works. And I'm going to illustrate it by sharing with you my kayak trip with my grandchildren last week. I went out with Joey. He's one of my grandsons. And uh, I'm the kayaker who says, let's get there. And so I want to get there. And Joey is, ah, lily pads are so beautiful. Oh, and he's slow, and he goes along the coast, and he just look. He saw a turtle one day. I didn't see the turtle because I'm wanting to get there, you know. And then I went out with Joey and his two sisters, the twins. And it was so funny because one of the twins liked Joey. Ah, looking at the lily pads, and I, and you know what? I started looking at the lily pads. 
they began to influence me. And by the time, and, and I did get there, and we got to a place on Norway Lake where the rocks are, by that A-frame there, we went through the tunnel, and then we put our kayaks there, and then we take a dip. And they love that. See, I, I do pause occasionally. But then on the way back, Ellie took off, and she's like me. Woo, you know. She got a double portion of you and I. We're competitive, yeah? We want to win. <laughs> anyway, she's winning, and I'm trying to catch up. And then Joey's looking at the lily. So I paused to look at the lily pads. And then Ellie looked at the lily pads, and then I beat Ellie. Oh, I... Gee, that was weak, wasn't it? That's discipleship. These little kids influenced me. I saw in them something good. And I had to pause and look at the lily pad. I never really looked at the flowers. The flowers are beautiful. They were trying to grab them out. And I said, no, no, no. Let's be green here. This is for someone else too. So, you know, don't look. So I was influencing them. That's what discipleship is. And it can lead to maturity. So let's think about what Paul's saying here. And he's talking about, verse 28, him. That's Christ. That's what this book is about. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone. He doesn't let anyone off the hook. With all wisdom that we may present everyone, he says it three times, mature in Christ. Where are you this morning? With Christ. If you don't yet have Christ, we'll talk for a few minutes about how you can have Christ. Simplicity. He did it on the cross. He hung as a man. He bled for our sins. He died. But we didn't see him left there. God raised him up. He was resurrected so that we might have power. But he paid for our sins. And the only way to become a disciple, a Christ follower, that's all disciple means, a follower, a follower of Jesus, is to say yes to that beautiful gift that he gave. If you need to learn more about that afterwards, Mike and I will be right here, or Melody, if you're more comfortable with a female, we can talk with you and share with you how that beautiful gift can be yours, even this morning. But just like Greg Bellucci, once you take that gift, you become a follower, a disciple, and you need to grow. And Paul says, I want to Present everyone mature in Christ. So that's the theme of this morning. And now six signs as to how you you can see in your life maturity reflected. And those six signs are passion, encouragement, unity, confidence, wisdom, and solidity. That's kind of a word I never use. Being solid. And we'll get to that last one. Now, you, were, you won't remember all six of these, but I'm going to ask you to think about one or two that the Lord needs to speak to you about in which I need to grow in that. I need to mature. I need to expand my horizons. So let's start. Chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. He had already said that in the previous verse. He said, for this to- I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And I want you to know that word struggle is the word agon, Greek word. 
Agony. That's where we get it from. It's the same word that shows up in Hebrews chapter 12 where Paul says, uh, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every sin and encumbrance that so easily entangles us and let us what? Run with endurance. The race. And the word is actually agon. Yeah, if you've ever raced, it's agony, you know. I used to run as a college student. Oh, man, get those stitches about two, three miles into it. Agony, agony for another mile, and then it released itself. Paul says, I have this agony, this struggle. And so the first sign for me in this text of spiritual maturity is passion. You feel your faith. Down deep inside. Now, I'm not talking touchy-feely. I know Maine men don't like that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I'm Italian. I'm from Philadelphia, and I like that kind of thing. But, you know, it's, a, it's not for everyone. That's not what we're talking about, touchy-feely. It can be. I like to hug. Some of you are not huggers, you know. That's all right. We're all in the body together. But what it means is this deep-seated, inward feeling Inside, there's a fire burning inside of you so much so, Paul says, to people he hadn't even seen, I'm agonizing over you. I'm, I'm, I want you to be mature. I want you to grow up in Christ. I want you to be in him so solidly that I'll be able to say to God, I, I worked hard for these people, even though he hadn't seen them. Isn't that amazing? He had passion about people he hadn't seen. And we need to have passion about people we see. I, I saw a guy in the street. He's in a wheelchair. He's at Market Square. And uh, I, I was responding to Pastor Tim's message last week, our commission. And I saw him and I said, I'm going to go talk to that man. I haven't yet. Pray for me. I want to talk to him. I'm, he waved to me. So I waved back. I don't know him. Um, I don't know where he's at. He may be a Christian, but I want to go talk to him. Because I have, the, I have a passion for people. Do you have a passion for people? I think that's the strength of our church, isn't it? That we have passion for people. That we want people to come through these doors, not because of numbers. This thing started in a living room. I was the worship leader and preacher. My daughter, who was up there, when I couldn't sing the song, she sang it because I can't sing some songs. I'm not that good. It started that way because we had passion for this community. And God brought Tim and brought Mike and brought you. And we're all together in this. We want that building not for a building, but for ministry to touch people's lives. Passion. Deep-seated. Inward. So much so that you've got to release it. You've got to do something about it. That passion shows up in some people in acts, in what they do. In some people, it's by the way they express themselves. I'm not that great of a preacher. In fact, I'm not even a good preacher. I don't get to do it enough to be good. But I'm a passionate preacher because there's a fire in my bones. And if I can't do anything in terms of preaching but that, uh, I'm, I'm here. That's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Second, encouragement. A sign of maturity is that you are an encourager. Hmm. Are you? Do you build people up? Do you lift them up? Do you speak words into their lives so that 
they can say, hmm, that feels good. That's what encouragement is. I'm going to read to you a, a text that I found the other day that so fits in this. And Romans 15. Just listen to these words. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of you please his neighbor for his good. To what? To build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and that through the encouragement of the scriptures, that's how you become an encourager, you read the scriptures and see all the encouragement there, we might have hope. Now listen to this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together that you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul's message here, isn't it? He wants others to be encouraged, the the, uh, Colossians to be encouraged. He wants them to be built up. And if you are a mature Christian, that's what you're doing with your brothers and sisters, even with people who aren't your brothers and sisters. I try to encourage my colleagues. I work in this building. 19 years now, and I try to encourage my colleagues, even though, you know, they don't believe the same thing I do. Be an encourager. It's a sign of maturity. And then what really flows out of that and was really in the Romans text is unity, solidarity. The person who's mature knits hearts together. That's what Paul says You're bound up with each other. You're not tearing each other down, but building each other up. Not trying to blow things apart, but trying to keep things together. Subterfuge comes from below. You know the one way, probably the most important way, that a church can die? Is that way. Subterfuge. Getting underneath. Gossip. Ah. We're all guilty of it, aren't we? Forgive us, Lord. Hopefully not on a regular basis. Hopefully it's the rare, it's the anomaly, but subterfuge is from below and there's nothing more that the devil wants to do than cause friction between us. And so even if there is, and there is, because church is messy, it's made up of people, people like me, I wouldn't want to reprint of me, believe me. You wouldn't want a reprint of me either. God makes us all individuals and all unique. But we need to work together. It's a sign of maturity. How much time do I have? I'm doing good. All right, next one, confidence. Let me read Paul's words here. That their hearts may be encouraged, is verse 2. Being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He's the center, and we have confidence. Are you confident? They made a, a, a documentary, film, whatever it was, I haven't seen it, but I just read about it, of Mr. Rogers, one of the kindest men who ever lived. You know? Uh, his children say, just the way he was on the screen is the way he lived life. 
He got near to the end of his life, and this documentary uh, pointed this out. And he asked a question of his wife as he was near passing. He said, am I a sheep? He had been a Presbyterian minister. I don't know if you know that. Am I a sheep, he said? You know what he meant by that? He meant, have I done enough? Have I pleased God? Am I going to get there? Wow, I hope he did. But I'm not going to ask that question at my death or near death or whenever. Are you? Mm-mm. We, won't, we don't need to. We're confident. I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He who has the Son has the life. These things, John says, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. What? That you may know that you have eternal life. We are confident. And if you're mature, you can be confident. Uh, That doesn't mean we don't doubt. I'm reading a book, How to Be an Atheist. Might be strange for someone like me, but it's written by a Christian guy. In fact, he's a mechanical engineer, got his master's degree in mechanical engineering. Then he went to Yale, got a master's in philosophy. And then he went to Cambridge and got a PhD. So he's like brain, like I can't even read half the book because it's, you know, it's above my pay grade. But I'm reading it to challenge myself. I'm reading it to understand because I have someone I'm talking to who's an atheist. He gave me a book. Farewell to God by Stephen Templeton. And I'm reading the book and it's silly. The logic is illogical. And it's crazy, but I want to learn. So I'm reading how to be an atheist. And this guy, he's a Christian, he challenges the atheists and he says, you are not skeptical enough. And that's the thesis of his book. I'm getting that at least, you know. I'm not getting all the, like David Hume, philosophy. I wanted to be a philosophy major when I went to college. Well, first I was history, then I said, now I want to be a philosophy major. I took a philosophy class. Ooh, well, I had to get rid of that. I never thought about it again, you know. And God bless the philosophy majors. I don't know how they do it. So, <clears throat> We're confident. We believe in the words that God tells us. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know the grace of God. God delivers. All right, got a couple more. Wisdom. The one who is mature in Christ is wise. And this is really important for this day and age that we live in, isn't it? There are so many voices. Remember Pastor Tim's message? All the voices you hear? I got some more voices to talk about. Not the same as him. I got four or five of them. Naturalism. Everything is just kind of here. By chance. Nobody put it here. It's got no reason. And it's got no rhyme. In fact, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, a guy named Charlie Mayo, Mayo Clinic, 
He estimated the human body was worth 84, no, 86 cents. Now you know what it's worth? $4.50. $3.50 for our skin and a dollar for all the elements that go with it. You, know? you imagine believing that? That the whole universe is just perchance? Stephen Hawking wrote a book called Grand Design. He became an atheist in his quest for trying to find out, figure out what the universe is all about. He said there are multiverses, that the universe isn't just one, that there are 10 to the 500th. That's 10 with 500 zeros after. I can't even conceive of that number. He said they're all, and they all have different laws, and they all, no, no, no. I'm thinking, Stephen, and he passed away this year or last, I think. I made a movie of him. How do you know that? Where'd you get your evidence? And he's a scientist, he was brilliant, he was a physicist, all the rest. Naturalism. You ever hear that voice going around? Materialism. Accumulate all you can. That's the way. The guy with the most toys wins, right? I don't have many toys. Sensualism. Hmm, that's a powerful one, isn't it? It's really evident in our culture. That is, if it feels good, do it. That doesn't mean just sex. It means doing dope. Whatever lights your fire. And that's a philosophy of lots of people that we intermingle with, isn't it? And it affects Christianity. I won't get into the specifics of that, but it affects us. Paganism, that people kind of worship the sun and the moon and the animals. Mike's going to get into some of that next week, so I'm not going to even touch on that. But there's a lot of that going on. And then the last one, we'll make it all in the endism. I made that one up. Right? <laughs> I didn't know how to put it. We'll make it all in the endism. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's a hell, but nobody's going there. God is so loving. Read a book. Love wins. Rob Bell. That's what he wrote. Now he's Oprah's guru, spiritual guru. Used to be a pastor in church in Michigan. Big church. But he doesn't believe like we believe anymore. That everything's, all, all religions lead to the same thing, right? No. Jesus has an answer for all of these things, doesn't he? In terms of materialism, he said, store up treasures in heaven. In terms of paganism, yeah, we look at the moon, the stars, but they reflect who God is. They're not God. And we're not going to all make it in the end. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, the road is, is, is wide that leads to destruction. It's broad. The gate is narrow that leads to life. So you and I, to go back to our first one, need to have passion. We need to have passion. People are, are falling into hell. And we can do something about it. Voices. All right, one last one. Solidity. Maturity means having our priorities in order. 
I want to talk about solidity in two ways, but I want to read the text first. It's verse 5. For though I am absent in body, and I apologize, I skipped verse 4. Though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And I titled this Solidity because it's talking about being solid, but there's two aspects of this, and I didn't want to have seven, but there are really seven here when you think about it. This one term that Paul uses, rejoicing to see your good order, is a military term. And it's a term that means arrangement. You know how guys march? I don't know if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And those guys march unbelievable with precision and just in the heat and in the rain. And they do it because they're, they're honoring the unknown soldiers who died. Um, and we don't know them, just a symbol with such precision. And Paul's saying here, I, I rejoice to see your discipline, your good order the arrangement of your life, and I like to think of it as priorities. We have our priorities in order. That's the sign of a mature person. Do you have your priorities in order? Hmm, it's a good one. Challenge yourself this week. See if the Lord wants you to work on that. And then the last one, the firmness of your faith in Christ. Someone who's mature, not only confident, but Firm. And the word here is used for foundation, right? It's used for that thing that's underneath the building, that's solid, that the building sits on. Are you solid? Are you a solid Christian? Solid Christ follower? You have to forgive me, this is a football analogy, but those of you who are Patriots fans will love this. And old time Patriots fans will love it even more. One of my favorite NFL players of all time was a Patriot, believe it or not, Kevin Falk. All right, a couple heads shaking. Most of you don't know. Oh, you, a young person knows him? Wow. Kevin Falk, number 33, he took it and he took it and he took it. He did everything. He ran and he caught as much as he ran. He'd take a, 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 a punt return. He'd take a kickoff return. He was unbelievable, and I thought he was the most valuable player of that three-year run of those Super Bowls. You know, TB, he's the greatest. I know that. Okay. But Kevin Falk was solid. And he'd been that way since high school, and he'd been that way in college, and he was as a pro. He got hurt a bunch. But, and then I found out. They found a little marijuana on him at a Lil Wayne concert. And I'm like, ah, oh, my Opinion of Kevin Falk went by the wayside. And then I said, no, we're all, you know, we got flaws, don't we? We may be mature, but we flub and fail. Yeah. And so we got to be kind to each other and even to ourselves, just like Kevin Falk. Bill didn't bounce him for that. I was surprised. He was a solid player. And we want to be solid Christ followers, don't we? We want to be mature. We want to be in such a position that we'll be raring to go when we talk to an unbeliever. 
We don't have anything that's bothering us or that's keeping us from doing that. Being solid is really important. Now, I don't care if you're young in the Lord, old in the Lord. Uh, doesn't matter how old you are chronologically or how young you are chronologically. Children, young people, all of us have to grow in Jesus Christ. But here's my point. We're going to sing. And part of this song is part of the message. Maturity is a direction. It's a destination. It's not a place. Just when I say I'm mature, hmm, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And so let's think about that as we sing the end of this song. You're going to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Let's be honest, we all turn back, don't we? Every time we sin, we do. So it's not like it's perfection, just like the, the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're uh, endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's a goal. That didn't start out that way, and we haven't yet arrived there. But it's a goal, and that's what we want to think about as we sing this song. Because I'm in Christ, I'm headed in the direction of spiritual maturity. How do we become mature? We take steps in that direction. These steps are specific steps in areas that we need growth and improvement. Sometimes it's the same area over and over and over again. We never arrive, but we need to continually make progress. Sometimes it's with repentance. That is the first step for some. Sometimes it's making an initial decision. Maybe you did that as you sang. To follow the Spirit of God into the victory of Christ. Don't stay in the lower levels of faith. Expand. Grow. Move on up. No matter how old you are or how young you are. And God, we ask that you might help us to do that. It's your power. It's your Son living in us in whom are all, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Give us that which we need this week, the rest of our lives, so that we can say, Lord, because of you, because of Christ, because of our union in Christ, we're mature. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve you and to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week, folks, and hopefully it won't be too hot like last week. <laughs>